0: With everything going on in the world, we haven't really had a chance to talk about something very important, the new monarch in the UK. And most importantly about this, I wanted to tell you about my own brush with royalty. Because you see, I have shaken the hand of the king. And I wanted to tell you how that went. I spent a year in England and I was part of an academic program where I received a stipend, and at the time, Prince Charles was the honorary chairperson of this program. And so it was announced to us that the prince himself would be in attendance at a gala celebrating this program's 50th anniversary. You can imagine the excitement that went out among the students. People were preparing for months trying to figure out what they were going to wear, exactly who they would go with. Everyone speculated what it would be like and if they'd actually be able to meet the prince himself. Well, the day came and it was a beautiful May afternoon. The grounds of the college were looking beautiful, and there were tents set out with little hors d'oeuvres and flutes of champagne. One of my best friends at the time had previously served in the security services of a small republic, and so he knew how to do crowd control. And He asked me, do you want to meet the prince? And I said, of course. So he knew exactly where we should stand once the prince came out for us to be able to see him. Well, of course, everyone was dressed in their best finery. I had thought about which suit I would wear for weeks ahead of time. And we stood in that place as the prince came and approached us. He was wearing a very regal and beautiful suit. He was holding a crystal tumbler, assumably with a gin and tonic in his left hand and using his right hand to shake the hands of as many people as possible. He employed this tactic of speaking to many people at once that uh, is an interesting one. You sort of engage three or four people at a time shake all of their hands, ask them all the same question, and let them respond, and then you can move on to the next group of three or four people. Can you imagine? That's basically a huge part of what his life is like. But you see, I was in the sort of like second group of three people, and this large and meaty royal hand was thrust out to me, and I shook it. And he asked all three of us standing there what sports we had done. And I said, I was trying to row and he said, jolly good. (laughs) Then the prince moved on to the next group of three or four people, but it was kind of a thrill, you know, meeting someone who is like a global celebrity. And I thought in that moment, you know, for the rest of my life, I will be able to tell people that I met Prince Charles. (laughs) Well, I went back with my friends to the reception, and I got another one of those little sandwiches that English people love. And there was a nice sort of afternoon breeze that was blowing, and I felt it on my face, and then I realized I felt it some other part of my body as well, where it shouldn't have been hitting. And I looked down, and I saw that my zipper on my pants had been down the entire time. That is my great and exalted moment, friends, my one brush with royalty probably for my entire life. But let me tell you, if that aspect of this story wouldn't have happened, if I actually would have had my zipper up at the time when I met the king of England, I probably wouldn't have had a very interesting story to tell you at all. As a matter of fact, it was that moment of humility that stays with me more than anything else. Jesus knows what this is all about. He says these words that are so true in the gospel message that we hear today. All those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all who humble themselves will be exalted. Friends, we may think that we are exalted. We may think that we are getting ready to meet the king, and yet we will be humbled in that moment. We will look down and find that our zipper is down on our pants just to remind us who's really in charge and what is really important. Humility is at the very center of what it means to be a Christian. Humility in a sense is a form of freedom. Humility says that we are not at the center of this story that we tell ourselves and the world about who we are, but rather God is at the center of it. And because of that, we can just relax and let things happen. Just keep following in faith and love and leave that center of the story to someone and something else. Humility is a medicine and a salve. Humility is a way to live life, a code of behavior. Humility is an act of love to ourselves and to others. And let me tell you something, humility is desperately needed right now in our world. Many people think that humility is a sign of insecurity. You don't believe in yourself enough, and therefore you're unable to boast about your own doings. But humility is actually quite the opposite. Humility is a sign of your own security. Humility is something that only people who are secure in themselves can accomplish. Look back to the parable that Jesus tells. This poor Pharisee, he wasn't secure in himself. If he were, he wouldn't have had to go bragging to God about his accomplishments. Can you imagine that? Going into the temple and telling God how great you are, all the wonderful things that you've done. You're righteous, you fast twice a week, you give 10% of your income. Sure, those are all great things. But where did that righteousness come from to begin with? Who nourishes you and gives you the food that you eat? Where did that money come from, those resources, only 10% of which you are able to give to God? No, God is the source of all righteousness. God is the source of all nourishment, bodily and spiritual God is the source of all resources, the source of everything that we have in our lives, and that realization should help feed us on our journey of humility. Every time we think that we have accomplished something great in this world, it is a cause for celebration, and that's wonderful, but we also need to acknowledge that it is none other than God who has given us the strength or the intelligence or the will or the power to go ahead and do those things that we might otherwise be tempted to be boastful about. Humility can be a little bit of a slippery topic, especially for those of us who are inclined to self-doubt. Often there's those of us who come to church, I've found, are people who are not the most boastful and prideful people. Rather, oftentimes, we suffer from a different issue. Oftentimes, we can come to this place seeking solace for the insecurities that we have about our own lives. And then humility can sound like a sort of thing that we can do to excuse and justify the reasons why we feel that sense of self-doubt. But that's not the type of humility that we're talking about. Humility requires courage. The tax collector was completely abasing himself before God in the temple through his prayers. Can you imagine the amount of courage it would take to do that in front of other people so that they could see you and hear you? But more importantly, before the Almighty Lord It takes a tremendous amount of strength to have humility. And if we find ourselves imploding in on ourselves, as I have felt so many times in my life, doubting myself whether I can do something, whether I can keep moving forward, and my goodness, the last couple years of the pandemic and everything else happening in the world, if that didn't cut you down a couple pegs, then nothing else will. It's possible still, even in those moments, to return to this theme of humility. That actually, it is God who lifts us up. And I am not dependent on my own skill and ability alone to accomplish things in the world. Rather, it is God working through me. So I don't have to put myself down. Because God is there lifting me up. Humility will always be a sign of self-confidence. And in that, it's also a form of freedom. You can see this in leaders around the world. A leader who is able to speak in an authentic way about humility is always going to be an excellent leader. The former Archbishop of Canterbury, Rowan Williams, is himself a very humble person, even though he was the leader of the entire Anglican communion and one of the most exalted academic figures in Anglicanism. I'll never forget seeing him speak a couple of years ago after he stepped down from being Archbishop of Canterbury. I went to an event with a friend of mine outside Baltimore, and there were so many powerful and famous people gathered there listening to him speak. And what did he choose to talk about for this speech? Humility. A person who commanded so much power wanted to tell this group of people what it means to be humble. This past February, I had the opportunity to go to Atlanta for an amazing church conference, which culminated in a worship service at an Episcopal church. And the preacher was the Reverend Raphael Warnock, who also happens to be the senator from Georgia, running for re-election right now. And this person, one of only a 100 Americans who can authorize war or sign treaties, only one of only two senators from one of America's most important states, Georgia, who had won a razor-thin victory in a brutal political battle, He climbed into the pulpit, and what do you think he preached about? Humility. Humility. I've been blown away by these examples of powerful people who want to deliver a message of humility to the rest of us. I imagine they do it to cure their own souls, to keep them grounded in those times when they might be tempted to lean into their own righteousness or power or skill, like the Pharisee. But of course, they are simply following the example of Jesus. Because we follow a Savior who himself was the most humble among us, someone who never had any earthly power or possessions over the course of his life, someone who was never afraid to speak to those people who were outcasts in their society, someone who was not afraid of poverty or illness, and someone who eventually gave up his own life in the greatest possible act of humility, something that would ring out for the generations and the centuries. He is our greatest example of humility. So you might be asking yourself, how do I attain this level of humility that Jesus is talking about? Because of course, it is a lifelong pursuit. But I'll leave you with this one image. Another wonderful friend of mine moved into a new house a couple of years ago that had a spare room. It's kind of an odd house, an old one, And the spare room is something more like a closet. He decided to turn that room into a personal chapel. He set up some icons and candles, and he goes in there every morning to spend time with God. But the thing about the room is that the door going into it is only about four feet tall. So when able to enter it, you have to duck down, go like that. There's no way you can enter standing up straight. He says that this ritual of ducking down in order to enter God's presence is something that keeps him grounded, that reminds him of humility. And yet the only way to do it is to have a strong back. So think about that for a moment. Every time we might be tempted to boast of our own accomplishments the way that the Pharisee does, Look for that small door, the one that you have to bend over to get into. It is the entryway into presence with God. It is the action that we must take in order fully to understand what it means to be a child of God. It is the only way that we can follow the tax collector into right relationship with God and to put God at the center of all that we do instead of ourselves. Jesus teaches us about humility. It is up to us over the course of our entire lives to embrace what he says, to take seriously the freedom that he offers us with this message of humility, so that we, too, might enjoy the self-confidence that it takes to be a humble person in this world. Amen.